0: Welcome back to Refocused with Lindsay Gensel. What you're listening to today, it's a little bit different than the podcast episodes we've shared with you before. This episode, this person's story, is a part of Refocused Together, a special series the team at ADHD Online and I have been working on for ADHD Awareness Month. Every day throughout the month of October, we'll be sharing a different person's ADHD story, which is fitting because the theme for ADHD Awareness Month this year is understanding a shared experience. And I can't think of a better way to really get a sense of that shared experience than by telling a different story every single day. And to be clear, yes, that's 31 stories in 31 days. My name is Lindsay Gensel, and along with the team at ADHD Online, I'm so excited to present Refocus Together, a collection of stories aimed at raising awareness on just how complex ADHD is and the different ways it shows up in people's lives. When we share stories, it's easier to find the perspective, ideas, and tips that help us live our best lives. I'm interviewing people with varying backgrounds, diagnoses, experiences, and perspectives. We'll hear from working parents, advocates, engineers, writers, PhD candidates, and more to learn that while we may be different, we are all united by our own ADHD journeys. This special project is very near and dear to my heart. And although talking to 31 different people has been a lot of talking, I am so grateful for each person who shared their story with me And I cannot wait for you to meet my guests and get to know them. Be sure to subscribe to Refocus with Lindsay Gensel so that you don't miss a single story this month. And with that, let's get on to today's episode. I just have every guest start off by introducing themselves.
1: All right. My name's Louis Inglis. I'm a guy and a musician from Perth, Australia. I have ADHD. I was recently diagnosed, so that's been a something to think about. Yeah. <laughs> How's that? Is that enough?
0: It was perfect. I <laughs> mean, you really don't need an introduction. So I've been saying the last name correctly, but you go by Louis. It's Louis, right? To like your- no,
1: no, it is it is it is Louis. It is Louis. Just with the the French spelling. I'm not French though, but
0: Oh my gosh, I've been calling you Lewis. I'm so sorry.
1: I get this a theme throughout my life, so it's not a problem.
0: Each time you listen to the Refocus podcast, you hear the work of Louis Inglis. He's a songwriter, musician, and producer from Perth, Australia, who combines charming, imaginative songs with vivid sonic textures and arrangements. And He was also diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 39, after going back to school, and the course he was taking, well, he struggled with a lot of the work, but this time it seemed a little more than the usual uphill climb to get things done and stay organized. But he never considered ADHD to be what got in his way, since he didn't fit the stereotype of a hyperactive person. After learning about the inattentive type of the disorder, He decided to seek out a diagnosis in 2020, and now Louis is discovering ways to balance the rhythms of his daily life and the outside world so that he can live more harmoniously. I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest on Refocus Together, Louis Inglis. There was a moment when we were discussing guest ideas for... 31 episodes in the month of October, and very quickly we decided we wanted to share the story of the person who created the theme song. All of the music that you have been hearing on Refocused over the last six months was created by the gentleman you're going to meet now, and I have to tell you all this because as someone with ADHD, and I imagine that most of you who are listening also have ADHD, you will be able to commiserate, empathize, both probably a different point. So we connected on Twitter. I was very adamant that one of the things I wanted was to use as many people with a neurodiversity as possible as we were creating the podcast. And that meant finding someone to create music. We needed music. I threw a tweet out there. It got retweeted. I connected with who I was calling Louis in Perth, Australia. Now, here's the really hysterical thing, Louis, is that I was concerned about pronouncing your last name. And as a producer, as a journalist, I did a deep dive trying to find any place on the internet where you introduced yourself. And I was looking for the last name. Lo and behold, the entire time I've been pronouncing your first name wrong. It is Louis, not Lewis. At some point in time, I will go back and probably change things because that's just how my brain works. But the hysterical part of being so hell-bent on making sure that I pronounced your last name wrong that I never even for a second paused to think that I could be pronouncing your first name wrong. But you say it happens a lot.
1: It happens a lot. And I, like, I'm myself guilty of pronouncing my last name wrong. Like, I think we sort of had our last name it's meant to be Ingalls, That's how it is. It's like from Scotland or something. But we never sort of got that memo. I don't know. I think that's what my grandparents, how they pronounced it. But my, I think my dad just went with the flow of how people were pronouncing it around him. So we just always said Ingles. But yes, it's Louis. But that's fine. I get Louis often. So
0: I am really happy that I have found out this information. You know, there was a point where I was like, I'll just email him and I'll ask him how to pronounce his last name. But of course, and you'll be able to, again, commiserate and empathize. It was like the night before the first episode was supposed to launch. And I was like, I don't have time. The time difference. So I'll set the stage. I'm in Minnesota Louis is in Perth, Australia. There is a massive time change. So where I am, it's bedtime. Where you are, it is the start of your day. And so I'm so grateful that you made time for us. And I am really excited to learn more about you because despite the connection that we had early on to create the theme music, we really haven't had to chat. Everything was done digitally. I sent you what I wanted. You created this incredible collection of themes. And that was it.
1: Yeah, no, it was a very easy process and a pleasure to do as well. So thanks for the opportunity for that.
0: All right. So I ask everybody to just start before they were diagnosed. What was kind of the catalyst for you when you started thinking, maybe I should look into this thing called ADHD?
1: Well, for me, it was, you know, I always had an issue with school and all the regular things that someone with ADHD would have problems with. So I sort of just avoided for most of my life doing much sort of a formal education. But then in 2020, I decided to do a short course, which was just, I was like a disability sort of carer course sort of thing. It's not the most difficult course in the world, but I just found myself finding, just having, struggling so much with the coursework. It was fairly straightforward stuff, but I have just found all the same problems that I'd always found through school coming back up. And I'd sort of, like I say, avoided doing that sort of thing. And seeing as I'd been doing a little bit of reading about things on the internet, putting some pieces together for me, that was just like, okay, yeah, I should probably look into this more and see if something can be done about it. Because if it's just impeding my life to this degree, it just seems like at this point, that's just figure something out. <laughs> basically.
0: Well, I think that's what a lot of people have had those moments where it's like the combination of realization and access to actually ask questions meaning the internet you know like i think back to when we were first able to start i hate saying like diagnosing ourselves on the internet but you could actually ask questions it opened up a door of possibilities so i'm actually really curious on what the process was like for you in australia you kind of get this idea, you want to look into it. And then what was the assessment process like?
1: It was pretty straightforward because I sort of did some research and found a private practitioner who specialized in ADHD and autism. I thought I'd get a little bit of an autism assessment as well because that's kind of what I'd thought maybe if something was going on, it was maybe that before I found out about inattentive ADHD, which is much more how I would present. But so I went in sort of with that. And just contacted him privately, went in for an assessment over a few sessions. I feel like it was pretty straightforward, pretty by the numbers sort of questions, but he agreed with the ADHD diagnosis at the very least. So he referred me to a psychiatrist. Whole process took probably three or four months, maybe just finding the person, doing the assessments and then getting the appointment with a psychiatrist. So I found it pretty smooth overall. And it was covered, at least a significant chunk of it was covered by our Medicare system.
0: And you get this answer to kind of a question you didn't really know you were asking or that you had been looking into. And what was that whole thing like?
1: I mean, obviously, it's kind of fairly affirming. It's nice to sort of have an answer for now, at least. I feel like I'm still so early on in it, though. So I'm still picking away at like, How has this affected me throughout my life? What habits have I sort of created in response to it and how to sort of move forward in that way? So I feel like I'm still very much in that stage, but it is great to know that there's something that I can do and there's sort of actions that I can take. That's the thing that is very good about it.
0: (laughs) You mentioned those habits. We sometimes, I think, forget to identify what it is in life that we've created because it's coping and it's, it's not always fun to go, oh, I started doing this because all of this other stuff was happening. What stood out to you as kind of some of the biggest things or I guess the most noticeable or stuff, I guess, at this point you've identified?
1: It's still hard to like pin down things, especially kind of avoiding certain things, especially avoiding taking on things that would probably have been great to take on just because of The correct assumption that it probably would have been difficult to do bigger projects or anything like that that's what i'm sort of contending with now is actually trying to get myself to take on things that i've sort of built up a resistance to and so that's where i feel like i am at the moment
0: i think everyone's answer of the question though is kind of where they are you know
1: yeah yeah totally
0: do you have some grief because it kind of feels like there's some stuff And and the only reason I ask that is because when you say projects, I imagine that it's connected to your music and it's something you're passionate about.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sort of stuff like I did for your podcast, maybe stuff that's a, a little bit more of a longer term thing or something, working on other people's music or something or doing things like that because there's always the problem where it's like, oh, if I'm not really into this, I don't know if I can actually focus on it or do a good job with it. It just has so many little barriers that get put up like that where it's, I can't do this because I'm just not going to be able to get interested enough in it to actually do it. And I don't, really don't want to disappoint people because it's that, that side of it as well. So.
0: so it's interesting because you had the wherewithal to say, I don't know that I can commit to this because I don't know that I'm going to be interested enough and I don't want to disappoint people. So I'm going to say no where my response would uh, yeah. be, I don't want to disappoint people, so I'm going to say yes, and then I'm not going to be interested in it. For both of us, it's a terrible situation to be in.
1: It's just it makes things so uncertain. Like When you just can't rely on being able to access the skills that you have in any given moment, You know, it needs to weigh your self-confidence and it needs away weigh just at your sense of the world because it can be a little bit maddening for sure.
0: I'm curious because we met on Twitter, has social media been an outlet for you?
1: Not so much in the past. I did start a TikTok account recently, (laughs) which maybe as silly as that sounds has been really fun. It's uh, just been a really low stakes sort of way to sort of express myself. And it seems like a platform in which you can sort of express yourself in a lot of different ways. So that's been really fun. I found people on there who seem to be interested in what I'm doing musically and stuff. So that's been a big part of my last year and a half or so. I tend to avoid Facebook and all your, and your Instagrams and whatnot, but yeah.
0: I <laughs> try to avoid Facebook as well.
1: It's just not as inviting an atmosphere, I don't find, but.
0: I would tend to agree with you. And I think it can be a sludge fest of some not great things. And you know, that mindless scroll, you're like, why am I here?
1: Yeah. I mean, that definitely exists on TikTok and other things as well. It can be a time suck. So that is something to be aware of. I've enjoyed it for its creative outlet anyway.
0: I'm curious when you were diagnosed with ADHD, what was the conversation like in Australia during the pandemic? Because I feel like in the United States right now, the awareness and the number of people talking about it, it's just booming and in a great way because people are understanding it a little bit better. And so I just wonder if this is something that is happening in other countries because the world and different countries were not immune to the COVID-19 pandemic and the lockdown situations, which is really where a lot of these realizations came from.
1: I mean, it gave everyone a chance to just sort of sit with themselves and reflect for a little while, I think. I think it was the same over here. I mean, obviously on the internet, the internet is international. and largely American as well. So a lot of those conversations sort of bleed over to here as well. But I think the same thing did happen. I know that in the last two years since I got diagnosed, another three of my friends have, and there are other ones I still suspect. And I mean, sure, not everyone can have it, but like I think these people do tend to cluster together. And I do hear a lot more talk about it. I think awareness is growing probably for the good. I mean, that can lead to a little bit of a backlash, I guess, in the sense that people think they're hearing about it a lot. So they start to sort of retreat back to thinking about it in sort of the ways that it's been characterized in the past, that sort of trivial diagnosis or something, which I can almost understand from the outside how people can see it that way, because it doesn't necessarily present itself in a way that screams that there's something wrong, but it can be really difficult. We don't have to compare it to other things. It's its own beast.
0: It is its own beast. You know, there are a lot of people who can confidently say, you know, this is my ADHD superpower and like, I'm just not there yet because it has been so destructive in my life. And, you know, like I, in similar ways to you, I can see how it has held me back from things that I've wanted to do and things that I'm passionate about and things that I know like my skills can thrive in. I mean, it's a beast. Yeah, you said it. It's a constant battle. And the thing that I have found so hard is that one day is not like the next and there's no way to figure out the rhythm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're just always being caught off step. And obviously, if you find the right medication and stuff, that lessens. It doesn't go away completely, I don't think. I don't necessarily think I've found the right things yet, but it's definitely helped.
0: Another lovely thing that we all have to deal with I'd love to talk a little bit about how you see ADHD come out in the music you create.
1: It's definitely the novelty seeking sort of tendencies, I think, come out a lot. I tend to use a lot of different sounds and experiment with sort of different styles. And I never really settle into sort of a consistent sound or niche, particularly in some ways. But I think generally the tendency is to like want to explore with things. Also, especially in the past, sort of bouts of hyper-focus and whatnot have led to me really drilling fairly deep on certain things and getting quite detailed with the things I'm working on. Although, just I find as I get older, I have less and less desire to sort of push yourself to that degree and sort of want to take things in more manageable chunks. But that's on the positive side, I guess. On the negative side is I've always had a trouble with like the finishing process. As things reach the end stage, as I've had the fun, I've explored with the sounds, and now it's time to just sort of package it up, trim the tails, and dot the i's and cross the t's. That's where I start to really have historically really struggled with actually finished with that process because it can drag on. It's just, it's not the inspiring fun part. It's the part where you just have to be quite measured and you have to be quite patient. And so it has taken me a long time just to get past that stage in the past. I've definitely started to get better at it. Since being diagnosed, I'm sort of learning more to chip away at it and sort of where to set my expectations at that stage of the process. It's still a challenge for sure.
0: It's something that a lot of people have repeated that I've heard. And it's just, it's interesting to hear from another person in a different line of work about it's the creative part is your shiny object. And that's what keeps you coming back. It's, what drives you. And then at some point you have to go, Oh yeah, I, I also have to do this part, which I don't enjoy as much, but I love that you're aware of it. And like, you feel like you're doing a better job of it because I think sometimes it's very hard to focus on the fact that you aren't perfect at it. Like that you haven't just flipped a switch and have changed that part of your life.
1: The sort of evidence bears it out. I have like actually managed to release a few things in the last year. So that's, good I also have like kind of a distrust of an opinion that I maybe had yesterday so it's really hard to sort of have a listening session or something and say ah yes that's good I'm happy for that to go out into the world I just need to do a few more things to it and then I find myself just unable to do that few more things and be like yesterday's Louis was an idiot because I don't feel that way about it today so just really really hard to sort of trust that make a decision in one point in time and then just go okay I made the decision now just to follow through. It's always re-litigating these things.
0: It's a little like your own version of perfectionism.
1: Uh, it's definitely, you yeah, know, there's definitely some perfectionism going on, yeah.
0: <laughs> Which is definitely very ADHD.
1: Yeah. Try and <laughs> cap it at 70%. If it's 70% good enough, then it's good enough.
0: <laughs> but is your 70% an actual 70% well, or is your 70% your 100 and you're trying to get it to 130?
1: Maybe. I try and imagine a sort of generalized 70% and then just sort of imagine getting at 30% better if I just made my life hell, then I can go, okay, well, I'm not going to do that. I'll just leave it at
0: 70%. I'm wondering with your diagnosis and everything that you've learned and, and you're continuing to learn and you know the, the changes that you've made, what is making you hopeful right now? Are there things that you want to try as far as you know, treatment. And when I say treatment, I don't necessarily just mean medication. Treatment can be adding things into your life like more alarms or exercise or a better sleep hygiene, a to-do list. Everyone's treatment plan kind of looks different because how ADHD shows up is different and how you want your life to change is different than the person next to you.
1: For me, it's very much just adding some stuff and seeing what sticks. I am really trying to sort out my sleep at the moment. I think that's my little project right now. Just try and always have enough sleep if I can manage it because that's been a problem before. Well, that's always tricky. I'm trying melatonin at the moment, seeing if that does anything. It seems to be working. I'm not 100% sure. I feel like I'm in this like weird transitional point where I'm not quite reaching out for like these new things, trying to get these new things started, trying to get myself to take on new things, but I haven't quite jumped into it yet. Just sort of preparing myself.
0: <laughs> Which I appreciate because when I was diagnosed, I literally like dove head first in and then came up for air and was like, whoa. So it's interesting again, to go back to how complex ADHD is and how it shows up so different for every person. It's so interesting when I find someone who is a little less impulsive than I am.
1: I've had moments of impulsivity in my life, but I think I'm definitely not on the impulsive thing so much. My way of doing it is probably to overthink the thing before I even get to the point where I would have to make the decision. So I think that's where the ADHD comes in, is the sort of overthinking of all the different options and then just being paralyzed when it actually comes to action.
0: And how do you feel in that moment when you get there and you know what it is because you've had it before? How do you mean so? The paralyzing part. How does that make you feel?
1: I don't think there's much good to be said about that. Yeah. It's just um, not as much of a problem nowadays as it has been. Thought spirals, just going down rabbit holes. It's very difficult to judge how to respond to something like just having inconsistent emotional response to the things around.
0: And I by no means am trying to get you to answer these questions, like put you on the spot. I No, just, no, it's fine. I hear from so many people who need to hear from somebody like you. You know what I'm saying? Like I talk to people constantly who can't put it into words. and Well,
1: I'm struggling to put it into words, but we'll know. I'm doing my best. <laughs>
0: You're doing a great job. I'm curious if you've been able to open up to people in your life about this.
1: You know, not as much as I should really. Definitely with like my mom and stuff like that, I think definitely haven't talked it in detail with her. You know, I think she sort of goes to a place of like, oh, well, we didn't realize anything that was wrong and makes her feel bad about it or whatever. I feel strange to talk about myself as though I sort of have something. It can tend to be a little bit awkward for some reason, yeah.
0: What right now is exciting you in life?
1: Look, I won't say that I'm the most excitable person. So, (laughs) but just the idea of being able to do more of what I like, hopefully maybe make some money off that as well. It's always just been about working on music or other art type projects for me. So I'm just hoping if I like just keep making consistent steps forward day by day, stay sort of relatively calm and centered in my life, that I'll be able to actually sort of capitalize (laughs) on that opportunities if and when they arise you know, more consistently than I have been able to in the past. So I'm not getting too excited, That I'm just trying to chip away at it.
0: Tell me a little bit about your life as a musician. Have you always loved music? When did you start creating it?
1: Started as a teenager in the 90s. It was, you know, around the time of Nirvana, all that sort of music. So that made music seem possible. It always seemed. Firstly, not me. Just sort of seemed like something I wouldn't be able to really do. So just the fact that all this stuff was a little bit more ramshackle sounding a little bit more seemed like something you could actually do kind of got me through the door of starting to do it and just kind of really slowly, I didn't have any big ambitions to start off with. I just sort of learned the songs that were around and that I liked at the time, play them on guitar, started playing them with a friend and we started sort of recording ideas and eventually just started writing some songs and things just sort of continued like that got more into the recording side of it. My dad had a studio. He had a company that made jingles for TV and radio. So we had a studio at a time where home studios and things weren't quite as common as they are now. So I got into that side of it. It just sort of progressed and evolved. It's something I didn't get bored of because there are so many sides to it. There are so many ways to approach it. You can come at it from songwriting and performing, playing live recording it can be abstract sounds it can be structured pieces and never sort of bounced out of being interested in it because it was just focused on a different aspect of it
0: so I had this realization the other night because I've been kind of beating myself up you know this project was way harder than I thought it was going to be and I have another life that's not podcasting I cook on tv and everyone's always said how did you get started doing that and I was like well I Just wanted to cook on TV. And so I learned how to do it and I kept getting better at it. And I kept learning like what not to do and what to do at certain times. And I kept getting invited back. And I had this moment where I was like, I learned all of that on my own. Like I stuck to that. And what I want to pass along to you as you are in the midst of figuring out so much is you did all of that with music. What you just described to me was. You found something you were passionate about and you made it happen. And I know the weight of your diagnosis and everything that comes along with that can be very, very overwhelming, but I don't want you to lose sight of the fact that you are incredibly talented because you put that work in. And I just want to pass that along because I was blown away by working with you. It was such a flawless, seamless partnership, collaboration, I literally opened up the demo reel you had sent over with all of these incredible ideas, but I knew instantly which one it was going to be. And then you came back with all of these incredible sounds for us to use. And I've been incorporating all of them throughout this month. And I want you to know how appreciative I am of how much you put into that, because it is so wonderful and it makes me so happy, and I just want to pass that
1: along. Oh, thank you. That's very nice of you to say. It was a pleasure to work on. I'm a podcast listener, so I have fairly strong opinions on what podcast music should be like. So it was really fun to do. I'm happy to do anyone's podcast music if they're out there wanting it.
0: Well, I will include all of the info on how they can get in touch with you. I didn't ask this earlier, and I I should have. When you were a kid, was ADD or ADHD talked about in schools?
1: I'm just a bit older than like when people were starting to be diagnosed. And I definitely remember being fairly young when it started to be a word that was used. My memory of it about most of the discussions and things that I heard was mostly people being like concerned about drugging kids and like let the kids be kids. And it definitely seemed to be mostly like a negative thing, which is a pity. You know, that definitely led into thinking about it just throughout my life. a friend who's been diagnosed very recently, and we would kind of joke about him being a bit ADHD. Just because of how it had been portrayed, you don't sort of think of it as being particularly serious or something that really actually maybe should be looked into because it could help.
0: Last thing I want to ask, I've asked every guest if they could change one narrative or one misconception that the public has about adhd is there something that stands out for you
1: i think sort of the emotional dysregulation side of it as being part of adhd because i don't think people really think of that as being part of it it mirrors the side of it that people are more familiar with like with the attention and the sort of inconsistency i don't know if that's like that for everyone but it can definitely exists like that with your emotions as well. And that's probably the thing that makes it the most difficult to live with and it's just anxiety as well that that causes. Overall, I'm just not sure that people really understand just what it is generally, just how it sort of touches everything in your life from the outside. It's hard to sort of see the shape of it in someone else because it's difficult to explain. People who have it are often bad at explaining it <laughs> and don't know what It is that's like, don't really understand what's wrong. So it can be quite easily misrepresented, I think. And I mean, maybe it's a tough one to sort of really explain to the public at large. I don't know. But, you know, it is good that the people who can benefit from help find things that explain it to them and sort of explain their life to them a little bit.
0: Well, Louis, it was such a pleasure to chat with you, to kind of meet you officially I appreciate your candor and thoughtfulness and your willingness to come on here and talk about something that you're still figuring out. And I think that there is actually a lot of power in that. I think it's really powerful to remind everyone that we are all still figuring this out, regardless of how confident we are in talking about it. And I'm really grateful to you for coming on and being vulnerable because... It can be hard to be vulnerable with people around you, let alone a stranger who lives halfway across the world. So,
1: <laughs> Oh, well, sometimes easier with the stranger from around the world. So...
0: Thanks to Louis Inglis not only for joining us on Refocused Together but for creating the amazing music that you've been hearing over the last couple of months on Refocused. To learn more about Louis and the work he's doing or to hire him for your own podcast, I've included all of those links in the show notes. There are so many people to thank for making Refocused Together happen. The entire team at ADHD Online. Zach Booker, Dr. Randall Dutler, Tim Gutwald, Keith Brophy, My Teammates Keith Boswell, Suzanne Spruett, Claudia Gotti, Melanie Mile, Paul Owen, Kirsten Pip, Sissy Yee, Trisha Merchandunny, Lauren Radley, Corey Kearney and Mason Nelly and the team at Dexia, Hector and Kenneth and the team at Snack Media, Cameron Sterling and Candace Lefke, Camilla Eden, Lauren Terry, Sarah Galbard, Phil Rodeman, Jake Beaver, and Sarah Platinitis. To find out more about Refocus Together or to share your story with me, head over to ADHDonline.com and check out the ADHD Awareness Month page, which highlights this project as well as each day's episode after they've been released. You can also find out more by following along on social at Lindsay Gensel and at Refocus Pod.